Hello and welcome to Podcasters on Purpose. This is Debbie Adair, your host, and today I'm super excited to share awesome podcaster Tom Singer with you today. Tom Singer has an eclectic background working in sales, marketing, and business development roles for Fortune 500 companies, law firms, and entrepreneurial ventures. He's a business growth speaker whose work gets people to build influence, unlock potential, and drive performance. He believes that all opportunities come from people, and when we work together to find cooperative significance with others, we all discover more success and illuminate their possibilities. Singer is the author of 12 books, and he speaks regularly at businesses and association conferences around the United States and beyond. He is also the host of the widely popular Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. On the show, he interviews entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and business leaders from a variety of industries. He encourages his guests to share tips and ideas that can help those with an entrepreneurial spirit understand their potential and then go for it. Tom and his wife, Sarah, make their home in Austin, Texas, and are the parents of two highly spirited daughters. So super excited to have Tom on the show today. He's just a stellar human and an awesome podcaster and a fantastic speaker. So welcome to the show, Tom. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to have you. I'm actually, as I'm looking at the video, we're actually recording this kind of in a behind the scenes video. You guys are probably just getting the audio piece, but just so you know, he has this beautiful sign up on the wall of his cool things entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs do on the wall. And then he has his logo too. And they're like tiled on the wall. So if you could actually see my wall over here, I have my podcast artwork. <laughs> <laughs> not actually in the camera view. It's yeah. not actually in the camera view. That would probably be a better thing for me to be doing. So... <laughs> So, Tom, I'd love to start off and just talk a little bit about your show and how that came about. Sure. I, I started the show in 2014, so about four and a half years ago. I actually launched the show on International Podcast Day, which is September 30th. And ever since then, I've never stopped. I do the show twice a week. I've interviewed about 400 plus entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, wow. business leaders, and others who are just doing really cool stuff in business. And the idea behind it is, is that success leaves clues. So if we get to hear from a lot of successful people, we're going to pick up an idea over here, a theory over there, a nugget over there, and all of a sudden, we're going to be able to achieve more. So true. And I, I really believe in that as well. And I love like, wow, over, that's a ton of episodes. So what would you say, <laughs> what would you say your key to having that many episodes has been? Like your number one, like success key for that? Because that is, that's longevity. And I'd love to hear that. What's been that key for you? So I went into it expecting to do 50 episodes. Mm -hmm. And I decided to do twice a week because I could do that in six months versus a whole year. And the way this came about is I was at a conference and the speaker who was speaking said, if you ever feel like you're in a rut in your career, go interview 50 really smart, successful people. And you cannot come out the other side from those interviews without being more inspired. It's like having your own little university. And I originally thought I was going to do this on my blog. At the time, I was a very avid blogger. I was writing four or five days a week. And I thought I was going to interview 50 people. And I was going to post these interviews as, as written interviews. And somebody said, I mean, 2014, it wasn't early, but it was still in the early stages of the hockey stick of, of podcasts. Someone said, you should do this as a podcast. And I thought, okay, I'll do that. And by the time I got to 50 episodes, I wasn't stopping. I had learned so much. It was the best networking tool I had ever had. And then the other thing was, is early on, I went to Podcast Movement and somebody who was talking spoke about pod fade mm. and how the average podcast dies out because the person doing the podcast doesn't stick to their schedule. And so it becomes 
you know, it's once a week and then it's every three weeks a month and then it's twice. And then it's been six months since they've done one. Then they do like six in a row and then it's a while and then they never do it again. And I thought, yeah, I don't want to do that. So I created a schedule that every Tuesday and Thursday I was releasing a show. And over four and a half years, I've missed about a dozen, Mm. but not that many really in the big scope of things. And you mentioned longevity. That's where the power in my podcast is. It's this last year when I have started to get more business, when I figured out how to, to use it to open up doors. It's that longevity. When people hear I have over 400 shows, they go, oh, oh, wow, let me talk to you more. So it opens up a lot more doors for me. That's fantastic. And I completely agree. I think that that consistency of every week is fantastic. So two episodes a week is very different than one episode a week. Do you, uh, do you put- Twice as many. Yeah, it's twice as many. Good math there. <laughs> do you find that for you, would you like pre-record a ton of them? Like, or would you just do two a week when you're starting out? Because that's, you know, more to put into the can, right? In the early days, I was always scrambling to get my interviews. So I was doing two a week, usually like the day before. Back in those days, if, there, if you listen to an old, old episode in the first 300, maybe 250, if you hear an episode that's just me without a guest, it means that either someone stood me up or I failed to schedule a guest and I <laughs> wanted to keep to that schedule. So I would make it sound like it was a bonus episode, but really it was me in a hotel room talking into my iPhone, walking around in my underwear going, hey, the topic for today is just going to be me. about a year and a half ago, I started to realize that I needed to be about five or six shows ahead because of my travel schedule. I make my living speaking at companies and at association conferences. So I can be gone for several days at a time and I use an outside editor. So I have to make my deadline to get the show edited and published. So I found that being like three weeks ahead uh, just took off the stress from me. That's awesome. And I know you were talking in the green room about how you're going to be changing your format. So can you talk a little bit about that as well and why? Yeah. In 2019, I'm changing up the format from two interviews a week to one interview a week and one solo show with just me. And it's not because I'm not organized. I'm actually doing this intentionally. (laughs) And it came up from some advice from Justin Shank, who is the host of the Growth Now Movement show. And In 2018, all of a sudden, Justin, he changed up his format, went from one show a week to one interview a week and then one solo show a week. And all of a sudden, Justin was speaking all over the place. He was really seen as like this huge expert in the field of growth and and growing your career and your life and life hacking. And I asked him, I go, I go, where are all these things coming from? And he said, when you interview, when you only interview people, even if you're a great interview, you're the conduit to their brilliance. Mm. But when you share your ideas, your thoughts, your struggle, your life, you become an expert to people. And some people like the solo shows and some people like the interviews and some people listen to both. So it actually grows your audience. And so I was like, well, duh, you know, (laughs) I'm smart too, Justin. You're not the only smart guy out there. So, So I made that decision. And at the time we're recording this, I'm only a few weeks into this and I'm already seeing a difference in the response from my audience to the solo shows. So I'm doing Tuesday is me talking about something like sales or mentorship or whatever it is. And on Thursday, it's an interview. That's fantastic. I love that. And do you, are you, I guess you're bulk batching those probably as well, right? You're So, so far, no. <laughs> so far, I am uh, I'm bulk batching the, the interviews. And then on Monday, I'm going, ah, it's due to the editor in an hour. And I'm running around in my underwear with uh, my iPhone. <laughs> I love That's it. Not, maybe a little. <laughs> 
So are you finding that the length of episodes is different? I know when I do my Debbie download episodes, which is kind of my version of like me direct audio, right? Versus interviews that they're way shorter than my interviews are just because I have no one really pulling it out of me. I'm just kind of getting on and talking to, you know, the listener, right? So what do you find for you? So my goal is to make them about 20 minutes and the interview is about 30. Mm-hmm. I tend to go a little longer on the interviews and a little longer on the solo episodes, but they're not short. I mean, they're, you know, I could easily fill, you know, I am a professional speaker. I That's know how true. to fill, <laughs> fill hours, you know, I get hired to speak three hours sometimes. So You just go, I love that about you. <laughs> My wife will tell you, yes, he will just keep going. That's fantastic. And what do you think about this format? So I had a lady on my other show, The Spiritual Entrepreneur, and she was talking about how she fills her whole coaching practice doing coaching format interviews. So like basically displaying kind of what you do, like obviously you're a speaker, so you're speaking on different topics, right? Have you ever heard anything about the coaching format in terms of like having a guest on where you're interviewing them or another person on and then sharing the background of that? So I just learned about this format from the Open Sky Fitness podcast. And in 2019, they're doing a lot more coaching episodes where they're bringing their clients on and they're talking through the fitness and nutrition struggles that clients are having. And then they're talking about kind of coaching that person through. But at the same time, that then is coaching everybody through. And I actually really like that format Mm. in like a sort of a change up to an interview. But I do believe because I do some coaching every now and then someone calls me and says, I need you to be my mentor. And I already have two mentees who are like my fake sons. <laughs> and uh, so the, the, the rule is I can't take on anymore. And they're like, no, I have to work with you. So occasionally I'll take on a coaching client mm-hmm. because it's the right match for them and for me and we'll, we'll work out a deal. But I, since I don't always coach, I don't have a big stable of people who are turning to me to be coached in that manner who would probably want to come live on my show. But I do think it's a great format. Yeah. I'm actually considering adding it to my other show as well. Maybe bringing in some of that. It's interesting, you know, if you're listening in today and you're, you have a podcast, you're thinking about it. If you have a podcast, you probably already know this, but if you're thinking about starting one, as you're going through the journey, you really evolve and, and develop new strategies and try different things. And the great thing about it is you get to do it all based upon what you want and what resonates with you and your business. Would you agree, Tom? Yeah, I tell everybody all the time, it's my show, I can do what I want. (laughs) Someone's like, you know, what thought process went into changing your format in 2019? I said, well, let's see. I talked to myself and said, I think I'm going to change the format in 2019. (laughs) So yeah, it's your show. You can do it however you want. If you want, you know, sometimes I do shows that run closer to an hour because the guest is really interesting. Mm -hmm. And so I want to keep asking them more in-depth questions. You know, I don't have to meet like a CBS, you know, half hour schedule with commercials and things like that. I can run long. Or sometimes if I do a solo episode, maybe it's just going to be 10 minutes. Okay, it's my show. I make the rules. I love that. Yeah. We get to make the rules. The podcaster rules. No. (laughs) So you were saying that you got this advice to interview 50 uh, people, right? If you were wanting to make a shift in your business. What did you see opened up for you in having the podcast? What were some of the shifts that you noticed? Because, you know, maybe you can talk a little bit too about what you do a little more in depth and then some of the shifts that you've seen over time with that. So the first thing I learned from the podcast, and I've been one of the things I've been teaching as a professional speaker, going into association conferences and sales team kickoff type meetings, one of the things that I've been learning, and I've given like 800 professional speeches over the last 10 plus years. So, I mean, this is what I do for a living. It's, you know, I talked to somebody recently and she said she was a speaker and I said, oh, how many times did you speak in 2018? And she said three. And she goes, (laughs) said 70. So it's like, you know, everybody calls themselves a speaker. 
PR people actually recommend that people put speaker on their bio because it adds credibility. It's a very, you know, if you're the person up on stage, you're seen as having credibility. So people are being coached to call themselves speakers, even if they've only spoken like to their own team at a sales meeting that they called, which, you know, whatever, it's just a low bar to entry to say you're a speaker. But I've been teaching networking skills and how we get back to the basic of connecting with human beings in a world where we're obsessed with our digital tools. And I love all the digital tools, but a like, a link, a share, and a follow is not Mm. a human relationship. It's not a friendship. So the thing I learned is that the podcast has been one of the greatest tools to connect with people. Because once I've interviewed somebody for a half hour, then I can connect with them on LinkedIn. And it's not like I'm a stranger. They know we, we sat and had, you know, oftentimes, even though I don't record the video, we have a video chat while we're recording the audio. Then I've promoted it all over social media and tagged them and said great things about them. So they're like, oh, he must be a nice guy because he said, I'm awesome. And so allows as we cross paths in the future, whether I run into them at a conference or I see them online or I want to reach out to them because I want to speak at their company, I'm not a stranger anymore. So I've found that the podcast has been the best networking tool. I have made so many friends with the people who have been my guests. I've done business with people who've been on the show. And then also connecting with other podcasters like you has been something that I didn't expect. I didn't expect there to be this community, this loving, supportive community of podcasters mm. who want to serve each other and want to tell each other about you know, their shows. I mean, you know, I already mentioned you know, Robin Devon's show, the Open Sky Fitness Podcast, and Justin Shank's uh, Growth Now Movement Podcast. And I love to talk about their shows because they're my friends and they have great shows. Hmm. It's so true. And I, I think that podcasting makes us some of the most connected people that you'll ever know, just in terms of the conversations are so nice. Like you were saying, like, oh, I can talk to someone for an hour if I want to learn more. Like my shows are not usually typically very short. So you really get some time to get to know the people that come on. I love that. It's a learning tool also, because it, oh, I mean, that was yeah. the reason I was told to go do it, right? If you're in a rut, interview 50 people and you will learn more than you could ever imagine. I couldn't have imagined. I've interviewed probably 400 people. And in that time frame, it has been literally more than if I had gone and gotten an MBA. I mean, I have talked to the CEO of Ghirardelli Chocolate, the founder of 1-800-GOT-JUNK, <laughs> people it. who have founded franchise companies. And then I've spoken to a ton of people who are like me and who are just one-man shops. They're a speaker, they're a coach, they're a podcaster, they're a consultant. And you know, some of them are making millions of dollars a year as a one-man, one-woman business. And I'm like, how do you not get inspired by that? I don't, I don't make that much money. Yeah, I get very inspired by that. <laughs> so you were talking too about doors opening, like the, at the 400 plus, like as you evolve, like more and more doors open. How have you noticed the doors that you're walking through shifting, the ones that are popping open to you as your show has grown? So the types of people who are interested about being guests on my show, I'm getting a lot more yeses from more, not famous people, but people who are a little bit maybe higher up the food chain. Maybe they have a gatekeeper and they're like, well, how many downloads do you get? You know, early on, it's like, well, how many episodes have you done? How many downloads have you gotten? And I get, I get around a thousand downloads per episode. Uh, some are more, some are a little less. And I'm really honest about that. There's a lot of podcasters who lie. I get a hundred million downloads in the first six minutes of my show getting up there. And, and you know, my sponsors pay me $4 billion <laughs> and then you meet them. And it's like, well, that can't be true. <laughs> So I have found that as my show has longevity, 
And I tell people, I've interviewed 400 entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and business leaders. More people are like, well, shoot, that's a lot. I want to be part mm. of that. So it's, it's opened up those doors. The other thing is, is that people are more apt to book me to speak because they think I have some body of knowledge because I've talked to these people and other people haven't. So although my topic that I speak about is either this connection piece in a world where we're digital or I do a program on, on helping your team reach potential, which actually grew out of the interviews that I started on the show. CEOs would tell me, I would ask them, you know, how do you get people to achieve more? And they were giving me answers and they all started to fall in like a game of Tetris. The different answers all fit together. And it was like, wow, this is a thing that, you know, there's a gap that exists between potential and results. And the more we can guide our people across that gap, the more success we have. And so I've become sort of an expert on potential because of these interviews and the feedback that I've gotten from all these people. So it's all weaved together. My show has become a big part of my life, mm. both from the standpoint that I can, I can reach out, I can connect, it brings me business. And then I also get a chance to go and share kind of you know, what, where the, in the gray matter in my head where it's fusing together and I get to share my ideas. Now, you know, you get what you pay for. It's a free <laughs> show. I could be a lunatic, <laughs> but it helps me clarify by being able to do this. It's making me a better speaker and it's making me better when I serve my clients because I'm getting to talk through a lot of these ideas and then get feedback from people who listen. It's fantastic. I love that. And I know that that's one of your things too, like bridging that gap that you're just sharing. I, I also know you're a master networker. Like that's one of your things, like really getting the connection between people. So how have you used your show to, what are some of like the hacks that you've used or practices that you use, let's just say, to take the relationship that gets built on the podcast or maybe even bringing in the people you want to have on the show to, and having that relationship built to moving that into, say, a speaking gig or to a corporate relationship? So I sort of fell into that by accident. I had been up to be the keynote speaker at an event. And I wasn't selected, but they really liked me. And they told me we selected this person and, and she was a competitor. I knew where we spoke on a similar topic. And they said, we're going to have you next year. So, of course, I put that in my calendar and eight months later, I call them and they're like, yes, yes, you're the one. You're the one. You're our keynote speaker. Yay, Tom. And then like three weeks later, they're like, yeah, no, we're going to go a different direction. And I'm like, what? What did I do? And they go, no, <laughs> we liked you, but we think you're too much like her. Uh -huh. And so we're going to go a different direction. And I was kind of sad, and I had done a lot of research on this industry. It was an industry I'd never spoken on before. And so I went back and did some interviews with people in that industry because I was fascinated by it. So mm -hmm. I wasn't going to get the gig, but I interviewed people who were actually members of this association. And they saw that, and they started sending it out because they were really good interviews that really exposed the entrepreneurship in their little niche industry. So the next year they came back and through a series of negotiations, I ended up being one of the speakers and the master of ceremonies for their event. And then I have emceed it then the next three years. So the podcast actually led me from a no to a yes. Now it took a couple of years, but I suddenly realized that, oh, this is a way. So if, if I meet a CEO who has a meeting, you know, I'll ask him, can I follow up with you about the speakers that you hire for the meeting? Some people are like, no. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> but other people are like, oh God, Tom, I would love to talk to you. Now, some of those lead to possibilities and some don't. But it's like I said, it's all intertwined now into everything. One of the other things I do is when I go to an industry that has a lot of entrepreneurs and I'm either the master of ceremonies or a facilitator or the keynote speaker, I then will walk around the trade show with a microphone into my recorder and I will go up to people I've met, I, you know, I don't bother strangers, but I'll go up to vendors and members of the association and I'll have them talk about 
what is entrepreneurial about the medical industry or whatever industry it is. And then I'll stitch those little interviews together and make a special episode that is entrepreneurship in the XYZ industry. And uh, I've only done that a few times, but that usually leads then to wide distribution of that podcast within that niche. And then usually some company then says, oh, we should have you come in and speak. So if I was smart, I would do that like intentionally, but that's sort of a byproduct. That's brilliant. I've never even heard of anyone doing that. You, you, <laughs> have you Have you ever... Uh, Maybe we should delete that so nobody else will. Oh, no. <laughs> that was a kidding. That was a joke. We will, we will keep my brilliance. Just, <laughs> we will hide the brilliance underneath this bushel basket. <laughs> it's all brilliance, so it must be shared. <laughs> no one will ever quite do it the way you do for you, right? And I think that's that's a tip, too, for the podcaster. Like, your show is going to be unique, even if it's in the same niche, because you Absolutely. speak... Yeah. And I think the other thing is, is that if you use your podcast as a manipulation tool to do these things, I think you'll be seen as douchey. Yeah. I think that if you <laughs> do it naturally, that, oh, this is cool, let's share this, then your phone rings. Yeah, I agree with that. I think coming from a service mindset, having it a platform where you're sharing, and obviously you want to be able to integrate it into your business too, because you know obviously it's in your topic area where you're most interested. When you're doing your podcast, you pick those things that you love the most, right, to podcast, hopefully. So if you want to have longevity and not pod fade, right? So when it comes to uh, having some guests on your show that maybe are potential clients, do you ever do that? Do you ever have, you know, invite people on that then convert directly that are guests into to clients for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I look for, in, in 2019, I'm looking for larger company successful entrepreneurs who have, you know, larger companies. Now, I'm not doing that so that I can go out and say, hey, let me speak at your team meeting or your, your client meeting. Uh, but the combination of that is several of them who I interview, you know, they do their homework. If they're a good guest, they do their homework on me before we come in and mm -hmm. they'll come on and say, hey, you know, I watched your speaker video on your website. We do a meeting for our franchisees. And so, again, it's not an intentional like, ha, 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 let's go get them. But <laughs> there is, if there is a connection, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm in the world of business. So, yeah. I love it. And, and you're doing some writing now, too. I love that you... Uh, you featured me in that wonderful article. So I want to talk a little bit about how that opened up for you too. That's interesting. So I started off as a writer. And so mm. I used to write for the Austin Business Journal all the time, like probably not quite monthly, but quite often I had a recurring thing in the Austin Business Journal back in the late 90s and early 2000s on networking and connecting because I was sort of an expert on that in our community. And I've written for you know other publications. I write for a meeting planner magazine a couple times a year. And I ran across this thing. It came in my inbox one day from the podcast business journal. Well, I think there's a lot to be said about that. And, and they source a lot of articles from other business publications, and then they have some writers. So I reached out to the editor, and he goes, look, we don't pay. And I'm like, that's okay. I just like it, and I love the idea of growth. So can I write a growth article? Now, we've never named it like Tom's Growth Corner, and we don't have like a set schedule. It's not like every Monday, although I think he would like it if I did it once a week. But what I do is I've been highlighting podcasters who I know who are growing their audiences because I think that's the number one thing. If you're a podcaster, I mean, you know, all this other stuff's great, but there's two things we want. How do we monetize it and how do we get more people to listen? And so I write about how do we get more people to listen. And so I've been interviewing, I think I've done four or five articles at this point just about growth. And what's great is, is people like you and people like Adam Shibley, you know, are giving me tips on like, you know, how he changed his show from a show where he just talked and did what he wanted to a show that was all about community and all about getting focused on the mission that he's behind. 
and how that ties to his listener and how it hockey sticked his listeners. And I'm like, oh, well, that's fascinating. Yeah. You know, what's my mission? I you know, I go, oh, I like that. So yeah, so I like doing that. I like this, this medium of podcasting. And so it's my little way for the time being that I can put it out there. And interestingly, I mean, I have no idea how many subscribers Podcast Business Journal has. The guy's very nice who is the editor, but I haven't asked him for demographics because I, I don't care. I just want to do this. But uh, I've actually picked up new listeners because I got an email from someone twice since I've been doing it in the last month or so that said, I found your show because you wrote this article. I like your show. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, so somebody is reading Podcast Business Journal and that's awesome. That's fantastic. So, you know, you also do that really fast. I, we were just so you're listening. So we're talking, we're doing an interview. So by the way, if you love Tom, you can hear an interview of him too on the uh, Spiritual Entrepreneur. We would dive deep into his business if you're interested in speaking at all. You should definitely listen to that one. When we were talking, he's like, okay, well, let's just, we'll do that right now. And so literally he asked me like, Oh, a couple questions or something. Four or five questions. Four yeah. or five questions. And he's like, great. And then like the next day or so, it was not long. He's like, here you go. Here's the, the article. What do you think? And I'm like, wow, that was so fast. They're only about 400 word articles, so I can punch them out really quick. And, and I write without editing. So sometimes they're like, oh, so I always send it to the person and go, this is a very rough draft. And then like the person will make some edits and say, oh, you missed this. I wanted to say that. And it's like, oh, there's the finished article. <laughs> Well, now, do you have any tips for someone maybe who also is wanting to write some content around their podcast or something? Because it sounds like you have like just a natural way. And I don't know if that's just like you speak right and you naturally just speak and it comes into writing or do you bullet point in your head? Like what are some of your tips for how you put those pieces together? I do bullet point. I usually like if I'm doing a solo episode of my podcast, it's really no different than the way I would write an article for Podcast Business Journal or the Austin Business Journal. And that is I'll write down three or four points that I want to cover. And then I just go bam, 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 bam. And then I fill them in. And then I go back and look. I tend to repeat words, not, not like in a row, but like I might use the word podcast in the next sentence, podcast in the next sentence, podcast. And then I go back, okay, how about show? You know, let's, let's change it up. So, but my first draft is just like, pop, 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 pop. And then I edit it. And then I usually, if I'm dealing with something that has an actual editor, I send it to him and go, uh, please edit like an editor would edit, you know, make sure my grammar doesn't suck. But the thing is, is that I think the problem that keeps people from writing and writing is a great way to put yourself out there and get your show discovered. I think one of the things is, is that people overthink it and they're so scared that if they have, you know, a dangling participle that people are going to think they're dumb. (laughs) I don't even know what a dangling participle is. I'm sure I have them all the time. (laughs) It sounds dangerous. (laughs) Or dirty. I had had an eighth grade. (laughs) He does some stand up too, by the way. I had an eighth grade teacher who I told her I wanted to be a writer. I, I, I wanted to write fiction. And she said, you better come up with a new dream because your grammar sucks. You're never going to be a published writer. Aww. And it really kept me from writing through college and for years. I mean, I was probably 40-ish before I ever started writing again. And what I learned was is that she was not a visionary. She didn't realize there was going to be spell check and that anything that you get published <laughs> legit as an editor cleans up your grammar. Grammarly, so, Grammarly. I love Grammarly. Yeah. <laughs> Spell check, Grammarly. So as it turns out, writing, you don't have to be great with spelling and grammar because we have tools now. So that eighth grade teacher, she was probably an eighth grade teacher. She probably never published a book. And I would love to find her, Mrs. Nicolaitis. And <laughs> you know, how could you tell an eighth grader, your dream is dumb. You're not good enough for your dream. Mm. But I tell that story once in a while and people come up and go, I had a teacher do the same thing. I had a teacher do the same thing. And, you know, maybe they're trying to give you tough love, but, you know, it kept me from writing for years. 
And now I've published 12 books and, you know, I've, I can't even tell you how many articles I've written. I mean, it's my blog alone was over 3000 when I kind of stopped blogging. Wow. So if you want to write, don't overthink it. Now, every now and then I get the grammar police. Oh. Are you a member of the grammar police? I'm definitely not a member of the grammar police, but they visit my, uh, my words <laughs> every so often. <laughs> The thing is, I always write them back and say, thank you. You're my favorite person in the world. I love you for finding that typo <laughs> or that misuse of the English language that I did because I don't want to appear dumb, but I also, I don't want to skip publishing. Yeah. So on my blog, I publish things. And if someone comes back and says, you screwed up, I'll go in and fix it. And I'll send them a, a note saying, thank you. And, you know, I love the fact that there are some people who spend their time correcting other people's grammar because it saves me. But the flip side of it is, is that, I'd rather publish and, and, you know, have my there be there than, uh, than not. Be there, whether it's there or there. <laughs> and I love that. I love what you're saying, too, about how you respond to that. Because I think a lot of times, too, when you go and you put yourself out on a podcast or in a blog or something, you get feedback from time to time and you, you can handle it many different ways, you know. And if you want to be a professional speaker, you got to have a really thick skin because <laughs> People will come up to you after a keynote. And, and by the way, it can be a keynote where you know you crushed it. The client said, you are the best hire we've had in 10 years at this conference. And you get a standing ovation. And someone will come to the back and say, you know that story you told? I don't think it's really appropriate for this audience. Oh my God. And so you have to have a really thick skin. And you just have to be able to say, hey, I love feedback. Tell me more. You know, why? Yeah. And, and sometimes they tell you things and, and maybe they're a little right. I've had mm -hmm. people come up and critique me for something I've said. And like a great thing, I used a phrase that is a vernacular phrase that we use all the time when we're talking about authenticity and being open. People always say, oh, well, you have to open the kimono. And mm -hmm. a woman came up to me afterwards and goes, mm, you shouldn't use that phrase. And I'm like, mm -hmm. why? Just how you, you opened up. She goes, yeah, it's really, if you go back to the roots of it, this is about the sex trade. Oh it's about, gosh. you know, if you think back to ancient Japan and stuff like that, and she tells me the story behind the phrase of who would open the kimono. It was really, you know, women who were in the sex trades and a lot of them not by choice. Mm. And she goes, so really in today's society, we shouldn't be using that phrase. Now, I had never heard that before. I just thought it was a phrase that I'd heard a billion people say it. I heard someone say it yesterday. And it's one of those things, but she said it to me and I don't use that phrase anymore because I learned from what this person came up and told me. Now I could have been like, oh, you're too far, you know, to the left or this or that. <laughs> thing. But when people come up and critique me, I listen. Now, sometimes people come up and they tell me, oh, you know, I didn't like what you did here and I'm doing it for a specific reason that I think is great. <laughs> and so I say, oh, thank you for your advice. And I don't make any changes. So I think if you're going to put yourself out there, you have to be open to the criticism. You have to be made a Teflon and let it slip off, but you also can't have your internal reaction or your external one be, what a dick. Mm -hmm. You have to be like, well, thank you for your thing. And then, and then weigh it out and decide, you know, is there a little bit of something they're saying I can learn from? I love that. Even your teacher, you got a story out of it that you can sell, right? And she's kind of toughing you up. I shouldn't have said her name. That oh, it's all good. <laughs> I, I, as soon as it came out of my mouth, I thought that was a fictitious name, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Made up name. Nobody would have an eighth grade English teacher with that name. No, ever. Never. <laughs> so what about, do you have any tips or techniques for how to deal with that, to be Teflon? Like, I, it sounds to me like you just kind of are grateful and curious and like check in and see if it works for you. But I know if you're sensitive at all and you put out, you know. Oh my God. Early on, I would cry like a little baby. <laughs> so how did you move from tears to Teflon? 
You know, I, I think it's a chemical process that happens with experience. <laughs> I realized that over time, some of the advice that I got was right. You know, I'm not always right. I think the problem is, is that if as a podcaster or as a speaker or as a writer, you let your ego get out ahead, and I've done it a million times. I mean, you can talk to people who know me who probably think I'm, you know, well, he's all ego. We all have any. You wouldn't get into a role like this if you didn't, you know, every now and then I meet a podcaster or a speaker who says, oh, it's not at all about me. It's all about service. And 99% of the time, I think you are such a liar. You are a liar. <laughs> There's no way you would start a show with your name in the title. You know, it's like the Becky show. Oh, it's not about me. But look at the, look at your logo. <laughs> your, your artwork for your podcast has your face and you clearly spent a lot of money getting your hair done, your makeup done in the clothes you wore, and it's the Becky show, but it's not about you. Of course it's about you. So, I, I think that, you know, you, you have that piece. We all, I mean, most of us have that piece of us, so don't pretend you don't. But I think over time, I learned that I had to check that at the door, and if I'm really going to have an impact on people, I have to go out, just talk about who I am, and if I you know, I never would intentionally offend anybody. But if I do something offensive, like if let's say that that name that I didn't say earlier in the show, let's say she actually <laughs> is a podcaster now and listens to this show because she wants to podcast on purpose. And she's <laughs> like, oh my God, I never would. How could you say that? My whole career was about serving children. First thing I would do is I would own it that I never should have said that. I mean, I, <laughs> you know, we're human beings. We make mistakes. All of us make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And so you know, the number one thing is, is that if I screw up, I will own it. If somebody calls and say, hey, you offended me. Well, first of all, I did not offend anybody. I would never go out with the intention of, hey, it's Tuesday. Let's offend the crap out of somebody. <laughs> but it's going to happen. And so part of it is, is that you got to take ownership of it when you screw up. And the other side of it is, is that try not to screw up. You know, try to go out there and really put yourself in a position of service. Before we went on this, this show, before I logged on, I sat here in my little podcasty studio and I just thought, go wherever she takes you. Hmm. That's powerful. I love that. So let me ask you this. When it comes to like, you've done this so long, how have you seen like the technology pieces change? And are there any pieces that you've picked up along the way that you're like, that's a must that makes podcasting so much easier? So I use an editor. So I don't do any of the editing mm -hmm. stuff. So the editing software and stuff that's out there, Beats me, never done it, never will. <laughs> that being said, I understand it's gotten great. I understand that like if you have a coughing fit, you can edit it out and, and things like that all by yourself and, and all that. So I work with a company called Podfly Productions and they are the best vendor I've ever worked with and there would be no cool things entrepreneurs do without them. So that side of the technology, whoop, you know, it's there. I've always used an external recorder as a Zoom H4 hmm. and that's because the person who kind of helped me start the show was a guy from a show called The Solopreneur Hour. His name is Michael O'Neill, and I call him the godfather, the <laughs> godfather of cool things. And he is an audiophile. He actually has a podcast called Beginner Audiophile for people who are really into sound and the, the high-tech ends of sound. And I'm not. But he was really big that you had to have this type of microphone and, and this type of stuff. And he actually had a thing on his page. Just go buy all this stuff, and you'll have all the equipment you use. So... I've been using the same equipment for four and a half years. I did, uh, in a lightning storm, my mixer board blew up because I wasn't plugged into a, uh, uh, I think I was, it still blew up, but uh, <laughs> I plugged into a, what, what do you call it? The, the plug? The surge the protector, right? Yeah, surge yeah. protector. You see, see how much I know. 
I had to go buy a new mixing board because it exploded one day and I had to get an interview done. So I like went into Guitar Center and said, help me. <laughs> but, you know, I do some of my episodes on my iPhone with, a, you know, the microphone that comes with the iPhone. And I find it's not as, I can, you know, if I really, if I was an audiophile, you could say, oh, that's a little tinnier than the one that you do in your studio. Yes, that is true. I don't think the average person knows, but I do think technology is getting better. I think that the, the iPhone has some great things on it that allows you to do it. Your computers have some great things. And the biggest thing for me was Zoom mm. because Skype was always kind of catchy. I'd, I'd lose a lot of calls and the bandwidth seems to work a lot better on Zoom. So Zoom.us has been the best technology change for me in the last two years. Yeah, I started out on Ecamm with Skype too, and I switched over to Zoom. I'm a big proponent of Zoom. So when you do your phone, are you just using like earbuds or are you having plugging a microphone? I mean, how are you doing that? I'm just using my earbuds. Really fancy. And do you hold the little mic in front of your mouth so that it sounds better? I try to hold it so that it's not bouncing around in <laughs> one spot. Last year, I did an episode. I used to have a little teeny, it was cheap, but it was a little teeny microphone that plugged in. But when I got the iPhone 10, it doesn't plug in anymore because they changed it. And I don't <laughs> always have the adapter. So I do have a little microphone that costs like 14 bucks that I bought on Amazon that was like a lapel mic mm -hmm. that I could plug into the iPhone. And sometimes I'll do that when I speak. I'll record the speech. I'll just plug the lapel mic on and drop the iPhone in my pocket and record my whole speech. But you have to remember if you're going to do that, or if you're recording your podcast on your iPhone, put it on airplane mode because if your phone rings, it actually shuts down whatever app you're recording on. Mm, good point. So I've screwed up a bunch of podcasts because people are calling or texting. So Yeah, and if you're speaking, you want it turned off probably too. <laughs> Hello, ring, ring, ring. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, God calling. No, just... <laughs> That's a TV show now, I think. Is it? Really? Yeah, I think, I think there's a TV show like I'm connected to God on the internet or I like God liked me or something. I don't know. That's funny. I've never seen it, but I think it's a show where this guy gets tweets from God and go does good. I love that. So speaking of like have recording your speeches, I think that's brilliant because you're repurposing your content too for your podcast. Do you have any other tips too, like around how to... I've never actually done that, but that's a good idea. Oh, I thought you were speaking and plugging it into your... Like while you're speaking and having the lapel and your normal lapel for speaking. Yeah, but I've never repurposed it on my podcast. That's kind of brilliant. <laughs> I just do that to listen to see like how my diction's going if I need to work on my English language uh -huh. at all. I think, yeah. Well, you could pick pieces of it anyway. Maybe not give them the whole enchilada, but how good sure. you are. I've never thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, new concept. So, um, <laughs> okay, well then we'll skip that question because it sounds like you've never thought about that one before. <laughs> awesome. So would you say that with your show, where do you see it kind of going in the coming 500th episode, like where are you wanting to take it? You know, I would like to continue to interview larger company entrepreneurs, people who started something and, and grew it to something larger. I'd like to interview more people in sort of unique industries. Uh, but for the most part, I'm, I'm really happy with the show. I've, I've changed up the format of my interviews. I, I go off my questions easier, uh, where I used to kind of follow to it. If I have someone on the show for a second time, I don't even use questions. We just get on and have a conversation where we just chat, like we're sitting in a bar having a beer. I love it. Uh, and it sounds like you can actually go pretty mobile if you're using your mobile phone too. What mic are you using right now, just out of curiosity? I don't know. Okay. So it sounds really good, whatever it is. I would need to put my readers on because whatever it says on the microphone <laughs> is really small for me to read at my age. Okay. Well, it looks pretty just so you know, it's got like a pop filter in front and a nice microphone. It's got a pop filter and it costs several. It's very dollars. fancy, fancy. 
And if you could have a dream guest, like if you like could just pick anyone in the world, just in case someone's listening in that knows them <laughs> for the hookup, who would be your, if you could just pick like, maybe I'll give you, let's get two dream guests. But who would well, I'm going to tell you who the number one dream guest is, and that's Barbara Corcoran. Okay. And I don't know why, but several years ago, I obsessed that that was the guest that I wanted on the show. And people would say, oh, who would you like to have? I said, oh, Barbara Corcoran. And I was speaking <laughs> at a conference to a bunch of speakers and, and coaches about having a podcast and actually using the podcast as an extension of your speaking business. Because it was a couple years ago, I started doing that a little bit better. And somebody asked me that question and I said, Barbara Corcoran. And a woman raised her hand and she'd been to some get rich seminar that Barbara Corcoran spoke at. And she goes, well, you have to pay her. And I said, well, I don't know if that's true because she'd actually been on some podcasts of some people I know. Mm. And they go, no, she does nothing for free. And I'm like, well, I don't know that to be true. And the woman starts arguing with me from the audience. And I'm like, I don't know Barbara Corcoran. I don't know what she does, but she's a human being. If she decided she wanted to do something, she could do it. And the woman said, no, she charges for everything. She told us that you charge. And the woman just went off on me. <laughs> I understand the world of Barbara Corcoran, which is entirely true. I admire her. I think she's my favorite shark. And I, I've read stuff that she's written and I listened to her podcast. And, you know, you can learn a lot from her because she started off as a waitress mm. and went into real estate. I mean, she, she rags to riches, right? She did it. And she got to the top of the food chain and then said, hey, I'm going to get on this TV show. And then she was the top of that food chain. But the thing is, is that I just have always believed, like if I sat on an airplane next to somebody and the guy said, oh yeah, Barbara Corcoran's my aunt. And if the person really liked me, I bet she'd do my show. <laughs> I I've emailed her a few times and her people have wrote me back and said, go away, kid, you bother me. And that's fine. But my answer is that is my answer, that that's what I want. And you know, I'm not a big believer in like uh, woo-woo shit. Like if I just say it enough times, Barbara Corcoran's going to walk into my life. But uh, I also believe I've had enough things happen in my life where it could happen. So I'm never ruling out that we will have Barbara Corcoran on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. All right. So we are creating the intention right now that Barbara Corcoran ends up on the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And if anyone- oh, I forgot you're the spiritual entrepreneur. <laughs> That's right. Should I forgot. Yeah, we should have put that on the other show too. It had a lot of powerful intention on <laughs> Come on, Barbara. <laughs> so if anyone here knows someone or knows knows someone that knows her or knows her directly and would be willing to make a hookup. We will have, yeah, well, I don't want to hook up with her. No, I, I mean for the show. <laughs> my, my wife doesn't let me do to that. To be clear, I meant <laughs> for the show. <laughs> Podcasters on purpose, not on something else. Okay. <laughs> oh. But I promise that we'll have fun and we'll laugh because I definitely try to put as much humor into my life now as I can. So she won't have a bad time. Awesome. Yeah. So if you guys know her and would be willing to make a connection, that would be awesome. And then if you do, you need to let us know that you made the connection or whatever. And then we'll we'll talk about that on the show too. We'll have we'll if I have Barbara Corcoran on the show because of one of your listeners. Yes. That listener and me will come back on your show and we'll talk about it. Sounds awesome. How, how the intention worked. Okay. And so it is. Ooh, okay. <laughs> Should we book that for for April or May? Exactly. <laughs> I love it. And I really I really wish we had talked about that on the spiritual entrepreneur. We'll have to we'll have to figure that one out too. Anyway, so what are some of the ways that you've grown your audience? So my show grows really from people telling other people. So mm. the number one when someone emails me and says, Oh, I love your show, I always write back and say, Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate hearing from people how did you hear about it? Or if I run into somebody, I was actually in an airport and I was talking, someone goes, are you Tom Sanger? I'm like, <laughs> yes. 
they're like, oh, I listen to your podcast. I recognize your voice. I'm like, awkward, but thank you. <laughs> but I always ask people, how did you find the show? And almost always it's my brother, my friend, my boss. Somebody told me to listen to the show. So that's the number one way I get guests. And what's one of your favorite stories about a guest that you've talked to that's kind of come back and said something about how they were like impacted by your show or by your speaking or, you know, around your show? There's a guy out there and, and I don't want to give away his identity, but he had a government job and his government job led him into speaking and he ended up listening to the show and he got really inspired by the topics that I talked about and the fact that I was making my living as a professional speaker. And he was a several years away from retirement, but he had a topic that was really hot. And it was one of those things that he called me and I'm like, yeah, you could make a living talking about that. And he'd be one of a handful of the people in the world with his level of expertise. But he had a government job. He had to you know, do a great job for the government and he couldn't go out and charge for his speak. So he was speaking for free in his job as this like world leading expert. And I just sort of walked him through what it would look like three years later when he retired. And then he would have this pension and it didn't matter what he made as a speaker because, you know, it takes time to build a business and all this. He's now making more money than I am as a speaker, right? Now. Like he retired and made more than he ever made in a year the next year mm. out of the government. And he said, he goes, I wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for your show and for you. And he is awesome. So I think that's probably been the one story that I know I had an impact. And I, I personally didn't do anything. I just had a couple of conversations with him and said, you know, here's what you got to do. And here's who you need to talk to. And here's how you structure it. And then he went out and did it. That's powerful. Yeah. It's amazing because you never really, you don't always hear as a podcaster, the impact of what you're doing. But when you do, it's usually pretty profound, the impact of the show. So if you could leave the podcaster listening in with one piece of advice on their journey of podcasting, what would it be? Or the podcaster in the making? <laughs> Longevity. Mm. Like literally your 400th show is going to be so much better than your first show. But the problem is you're not going to get to your 400th show if you give up or if you do an occasional show. So I think more shows a week is better than less shows a week. The reason I do two and not three is I couldn't afford because I pay an editor. I couldn't afford three shows a week. I could only afford to pay for two shows a week. Otherwise, I would have done three shows and I'd have an extra, you know, 50 shows a year. So, you know, I'd have another 200 shows in the can. But more is better because it gives more chances for it to get out there. And then promote the heck out of your show. Don't be shy. Put it all over your social media. Put it out there because the only way people are going to find it is a friend is going to tell them or they're going to stumble upon it. And the world has gotten so noisy. When I started the podcast, there was still new and noteworthy. You could get noticed. There wasn't a lot of business podcasts yet. Uh, so I ranked really well. And now there's billions of them and I, I don't rank anymore, but that's okay. I, I mean, I still have a good listenership and I still make an impact and, and I'm still having fun. And that's what my show is all about. But don't worry about how many downloads you have. Don't worry about if you're getting sponsors. Be really passionate about what you do and do it for the long haul. And then after a couple of years, you know, you can look at, hmm, I wonder you know, how do I monetize this? I wonder where do I take it? I, I think people think podcast is magic fairy dust because a couple of people who hit it big early make a lot of money selling courses on how to hit it big, but you can't do it. They, they couldn't hit it big if they started today. So their advice doesn't necessarily fly. I think that the, the secret to podcast success in 2019, 2020 is get to 2025. Mm. 2025. Oh, that's a scary number. It's great. It's wonderful. It's coming. Here we go. <laughs> I love it. And if the listener would like to get more of you and your show and your work, or maybe they're looking to hire someone or they know Barbara, then, you know, <laughs> where would they go? Yeah. Well, if you know Barbara, call me direct. Okay. 
but you can always find information about me on my website. The podcast lives there. Of course, it's also on iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher and all the podcast places. But you go to TomSinger.com. That's T-H-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R.com. If you remember Tom Singer, but don't remember, I spell Tom, T-H-O-M, T-O-M, Singer.com will redirect you. So you still get there. So just go to Tom Singer. I don't know of a third way to spell Tom. So T-H-O-M, T-O-M, either way, you're going to get there. I love it. And that's brilliant too. See all these brilliant things. You can use that too if you're a Tom with a T-H-O-M maybe for your show. <laughs> anyway, Tom, I always love having these conversations with you. I'm so uh, delighted and grateful to have you on the show today. So thanks for joining us. Ah, thank you so much. This is great. It's been awesome. So if you're new or returning to this show and have not yet subscribed, please subscribe to receive the latest episodes as they're released. And if you love what you heard today, we'd love a great review too. Thanks so much for listening in. We'll see you next time on Podcasters On Purpose. Hey there, have you ever thought about creating your own podcast? If so, I'd love to support you with giving you a free guide on how you can create your studio and setup for your podcast. If you'd be interested in learning more about the microphone that I use, the headset that I use, the software that I use <laughs> to do these shows, I'd love to share that with you. You can go on over to podcastingonpurpose.com.